Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing drunk investing, help for home buyers, and paying to cut in line. That's right, Joel. This is our Friday flight where if listeners send us $2,000, we will guarantee a 20% return on their investment. Oh, all right. <laughs> Starting our own MLM. That's oh, a terrible idea. You, you have to tell your friends about it, though. That's the only way this works. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to also send uh, us $2,000. Exactly. Multiplication. Hey, they know how it works. <laughs> uh, we have done episodes on MLMs before. And they are awful. And, and we are this not is starting technically, our own. What we're describing here is a Ponzi scheme, and we're not going to start either one of those. We should put that out there. That way we don't get flagged by the C. FPB. We don't want to get uh, shut down <laughs> by the government. Do they oversee podcasts? I don't know. That might be the FCC, but even, I don't know. They have, Maybe they, the SEC, depends on what we're promising. Yeah. Who has jurisdiction over? <laughs> <laughs> we are not a registered broker. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, let's get to it. This is our Friday flight uh, where we look at the different stories uh, in the news this week, and we specifically are going to talk about how they affect you, 
and your personal finances. Joel, you got anything for us uh, here before we kick things off? Yes, yes, I do, Matt. And it's this website called suppose.tv, and it actually helps you figure out what streaming channel or channels are right for you. Basically, there's this uh, thing on the left-hand rail. You click all of the channels that you most enjoy, and then you can even even, like rank them in order of which ones you like the most. Like ESPN, the Discovery Channel. Yeah, and it kind of does this great job of helping you find the best, most inexpensive package for you. Um, And, you know, it's in all likelihood for most people going to involve subscribing to a a couple of different streaming services. But I I really liked it, and I think um, it can be helpful for you if you're like, okay, when it comes down to it, there's only these eight channels that I care about or these 12 channels that I care about. I think it can really help you, you know, maybe lower the amount that you're paying for streaming right now or find maybe a better package for you that you didn't know existed. Yeah, what's really cool about it is not only can you rank some of the different channels uh, as you kind of prioritize them, but some of them you can mark as optional. You, uh, so maybe, like you said, I don't know, you've got 12 that you're interested in. You're like, I like Animal Planet, but it's, it's not my fave. It's not a make or break channel, but maybe there's four of them that you have to have. Well, it'll also tell you that like, hey, look, this is how you can get all those channels. But if, if you're looking to really save, uh, this is the option for you. I think yeah. that's pretty cool. It's just a way to kind of automatically mix and match some of the different services out there to lower, hopefully, uh, what you're spending on entertainment every month. But And even you mentioning eight different channels, like I'm not even watching eight different shows right now. Like I just don't have time to watch the one show that I'm interested in right now, which is Ted Lasso. Have you been watching that, by the way? Uh, I have. Yeah, it's solid. It's not as good as season one. Yeah, I don't I don't feel that it's as good as the last year, but it's still solid. And for us, we uh, we got Apple TV Plus for free because we purchased an Apple device recently. So we still have that free membership going on, which I looked it up, by the way. Uh, they are no longer offering a one-year free membership or subscription. Uh, but if you buy a device, an Apple device now, you still will get three months for free. So just keep that in mind. There you go. Yeah, they're trying to trying to get you hooked. Exactly. Pretty <laughs> well, soon it'll just be one month. <laughs> we'll, we'll link to, to that website in the show notes. But yeah, super yeah, cool. If you're trying to figure out how you cut your streaming bill or how you find, like, maybe like streamline it, um, that website, suppose.tv, is going to be helpful. But let, let's move on to the Friday flight, Matt. And let's yeah talk about these stories that, that really do have an impact on the personal finances of all of us. The first story this week comes from the Wall Street Journal, and, and pretty soon, rent payments are going to play a factor in mortgage underwriting. That's right. Yeah, this is the uh, help for home buyers <laughs> story that we mentioned here. It, exactly. And it's kind of actually absurd, really, that this has not been the case. I feel like uh, the, the fact that you pay your credit card bill a little late, and it just like did, you know, has a massive impact, a negative impact on your credit score, but that your biggest bill every month wasn't an influence on your credit. Right. That's just silly. And uh, so, yeah, the Fannie Mae is trying to change that. They actually announced uh, that th- this change is scheduled to take place on September 18th. And the best part is that this change can only help. It cannot hurt your chances to qualify for a mortgage. And if you uh, have been making irregular payments, well, Fannie Mae is not going to include that history. But man, I think this is good news for renters because it's going to factor into the underwriting for getting that mortgage. It's going to be really helpful as a sign that you are good with money. It's going to be a helpful factor in getting approved for a mortgage when your lender can see that that history of on-time payments. Absolutely. Yeah, this is great news for especially to first-time homebuyers who have been consistent renters, uh, consistent payers of their rent, uh, you know, say over the, the past couple of years, that kind of thing. Speaking of things that might affect your credit, 
A lot of personal data was compromised earlier this week. 50 million T-Mobile customers, to be exact. A trove of personal data was leaked, and anything from names to pins to even social security numbers might be out there. Unfortunately, this has kind of become commonplace, but uh, T-Mobile, they're saying that they're going to offer, at least they're going to offer some free identity protection, which, yeah, okay, thanks, (laughs) T-Mobile. But that's actually not enough, uh, the proper response uh, for our listeners, for, for all of you listeners out there listening to How to Money, who might have been affected by this breach is to freeze your credit. You don't want to deal with catching uh, you know, folks after they have tried to open an account in your name where your credit might be ruined. You want to prevent them from doing that, right? It, it makes me think of like if you were buying a house and uh, the home seller was like, hey, by the way, this house doesn't have any deadbolts <laughs> uh, and no alarm system, nothing. But the local police department, they're really good. And if anybody does uh, steal anything from your house, they will definitely do a good job helping you get your stuff back. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I want to prevent that, that from happening uh, in the first place. Yeah, they'll get that police report filed stat. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> it's like woohoo, great. Yeah, but I'd rather prevent it in the first place. Yes. And that's what, yeah, uh, Credit Freeze does. And honestly, it's, it's the best step for all How to Money listeners, not just uh, the ones who were customers of T-Mobile and were involved in this breach, because there is a high probability that you've been affected by at least one data breach, right? I mean, there's uh, the Equifax breach in 2017, Matt, which involved almost 150 million Americans, right? Uh, and there have been countless breaches. I feel like we're suffering breach fatigue. <laughs> we just like read about another one every other week, and we just assume now that our information is out there, and I think rightly so, that Pandora's box has been opened and there's not much we can do about it. But while we can't undo the leaking of our personal information, we can prevent criminals from using that information to open up accounts in our name uh, and the ensuing havoc that that creates on our financial lives. And we've actually got a guide to freezing your credit on our website. We'll include it in the show notes. And the great thing, Matt, about freezing your credit, it locks everything down. It is the deadbolt to the house, but it's also completely free (laughs) and it doesn't take much time. So uh, it's well worth that uh, few minutes, five minutes of your time to freeze your credit with each of the major bureaus um, and get on with your life. Exactly. And if you need to open a line of credit, we've talked about this before, but it is incredibly easy. Once you have your password saved somewhere secure, uh, (laughs) maybe not on uh, (laughs) T-Mobile's mobile database, but it is really quick and easy uh, for you to log into the different uh, credit reporting companies uh, and unfreeze your credit. Uh, Joel, let's keep moving. Let's let's pull a uh, frugal or cheap in uh, in today's Friday flight. Ooh, one okay. of my favorite uh, things we do. Question for you. Would you, would you pay extra money to skip the lines uh, at Disney? Depends on how much, I guess. And yeah. depends on how bad the lines were. <laughs> I, def- I, I feel like I definitely would because the older I get, the more I realize, man, time is like is my life you know <laughs> like like you can always earn more money but when it comes to time man once time has been spent like like that might be 10 minutes an hour you know several hours that i would never get back and, and one of the things i hate doing with my time the most is standing in line Just waiting admit. in line while you know your kids are pulling on you maybe you're sweating <laughs> it's like traffic lines oh like gosh. drive-through <laughs> like I, I hate all that stuff well if that's something you are interested in doing paying money to uh, to skip the lines is something you're going to have to do now at disney because they are officially ditching their fast pass 
in favor of this uh, this new version, this new iteration called Genie Plus. So the way it works, you'll pay an extra $15 per person at Disney World, uh, an extra $20 per person at Disneyland for the ability to skip long lines. But here's the thing, that's on top of the already sky-high one-day entrance fee, which starts at $109. If you were to jump on this Genie Plus action, I think you are going to see the cost of your Disney World, Disneyland vacations skyrocket very quickly. Yeah, for sure. I think, Matt, what's part part of what's annoying about this is that not all of the rides are included. So you pay that extra money and then it only applies to certain rides. Which is super annoying, right? Because right. not only does it cost more money, but it's complicated and it's confusing. Yeah, and when you have something that costs more and is confusing, I think that's a recipe for disaster, right? Because like if, say, okay, what if it was, say, 50 bucks, all rides were included and it was like for your whole family? Yeah. Super easy. Sounds like, like a deal. It's a very clean and easy decision-making process. But when you have to start like accounting for the different rides that you want to actually visit when you're when you're there at the park, that to me is the, the biggest pain in the butt. Yeah. And it, it gets even more muddled because you're not going to be able to skip uh, the line on some of the more popular rides with the Genie Plus upgrade. It's going to actually cost you more to skip the lines on the most in-demand rides. And then you might say, well, well, how much more? <laughs> and mm. the answer is that depends because the price for skipping those lines is going to be priced similar to like Uber surge pricing. It kind of depends on how many people are in the park and how popular that ride is at the moment. So yeah, I don't know. Your kid might be tugging on your sleeve wanting to go ride the Slinky Dog roller coaster. And <laughs> maybe that's not included in Genie Plus. And you're like, dang it, I have to decide in the moment, do I want to spend an extra $18 to get us on this ride quickly uh, because my kid really wants to go. And so I think it's going to put some parents in a precarious position. And some people have actually argued that, you know, this new system might actually make the normal lines a bit more accessible. I hope that's the case. Uh, but yeah, uh, Disney is quickly becoming an unaffordable vacation destination. I just can't. Yeah. How, how much are you going to spend on one day with a family of five at, at Disney? I mean just getting into the park, riding the rides and like, let's say you buy food there too. I mean, you're talking, you know, 800 bucks for a family at five. Hey. Like, that's pretty expensive. That's right. Well, you mentioned the Slinky Dog roller coaster. Did you mention that one from personal experience? It's an excellent ride. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know because we haven't been yet because the prices are so high. Yeah. But one of these days, obviously, uh, we are likely to go. I sh- maybe I shouldn't say obviously because like in my mind, it's, it's inevitable, but it doesn't have to be inevitable. But I just feel like it's something that I do want to take my family to. You know, it's something I do want the kids to experience, but I just have to get used to the idea that I'm going to be paying out my nose uh, in order for that to happen. Start saving now. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about electric vehicles, Joel. I know this is something that uh, you are particularly... Do you miss your, your old Nissan Leaf? Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you really? But okay. I, I will say, I'm I'm still glad that we went down to being a one-car family. While I miss driving an electric yeah. vehicle, Like it still was the best move for us. <laughs> glad to hear that. Well, either way, your next vehicle might be an electric vehicle because uh, President Biden, he recently signed an executive order pushing for an electric vehicle sales goal of 50% by the year 2030. The fact that it's an executive order, actually, it means that there's not really, you know, going to be any enforcement (laughs) mechanisms for this goal. But it is worth kind of wondering uh, what the future of vehicles uh, of the automotive industry might look like here in the U.S. You know, is that even possible for half of the vehicles sold in the U.S. to be electric vehicles? Well, the thing is, we can look to Norway because, in essence, the future is already uh, there, I shouldn't say here, <laughs> because they're doing it. You might remember Will Ferrell's electric vehicle Super Bowl commercial, <laughs> where definitely, they definitely specifically one of the best ones. were uh, targeting Norway. Uh, but 54% of new vehicles purchased in uh, 2020 were electric vehicles, 
in your motherland, and uh, that percentage is increasing rapidly. Uh, it's likely to become more than 60% in uh, 2021 by the end of this year. So it's just interesting to see how quickly uh, electric vehicle adoption can skyrocket. There are a lot of things that we'll need to do in this country uh, here in the U.S. that expand beyond an executive order to make that happen, though. Yeah, an executive order feels a little bit like, oh, here's hoping. It's like, <laughs> this would be nice. Right, right. But yeah, you can say that about a lot of things. <laughs> right. Uh, well, and, and one of the things that could actually make it a little more difficult to actually accomplish this goal, I think, is the new infrastructure deal, because it did not include a more robust electric vehicle tax credit. There were some discussions about including uh, one, like a federal tax credit of right around $12,000 for the purchase of some electric vehicles. And I got to imagine if you subsidize EV- EVs to that point, there are a lot more people are going to be interested in adopting them. Uh, But yeah, that didn't come to pass. So here's the thing, though. Even without a federal subsidy, electric vehicles are still going to be better from an annual cost of ownership standpoint. Even if you're not getting a discount from the federal government to buy an electric vehicle, it can still make financial sense. Uh, The DOE, the Department of Energy, recently completed a study showing that EVs cost 40% less to maintain than their internal combustion engine counterparts. Other studies have actually found really, really similar results. So yeah, there are still reasons to choose a traditional gas-powered vehicle for some people, but it is at least worth considering an electric vehicle if you're thinking of upgrading or selling your old one and getting another used one. You know, an electric vehicle might make more sense for you now, um, and it often makes financial sense too. Yeah, well, in the financial sense, it kind of comes down to the type of EV that you're looking at as well, right? Because like on the lower end of electric vehicles and Consumer Reports, they had a really good article on this. But like a Chevy Bolt, it's going to cost about like $7,500 more than an equivalent internal combustion engine. But because of those maintenance costs being lower, uh, you start regaining that upfront cost. Uh, Within just a few years. So it takes like 100,000 miles roughly before you kind of like break even. But then on the next 100,000 miles from 100 to 200, you're going to be ahead 7500 bucks. And then if you keep that vehicle even longer, it's nothing but winning. Yeah, even <laughs> after before, that point. Even before then, though, you know, the electric vehicles, you can save roughly $1,000 per year on fuel costs. I mean, obviously, it depends what the price of gas is and stuff like and how much you're driving. But most people are going to be able to save roughly that amount every single year. So it's reduced maintenance costs, uh, not to mention reduced fuel costs for a lot of people. Exactly. Just, it just makes a lot of financial sense. Yeah. And you see that more in like the, the higher end uh, electric vehicles. And so like a Tesla Model 3, it could cost about the same as like a Beamer, like 3 Series or an Audi. Uh, And so for those vehicles, if you're going to spend that much money on an electric vehicle, you're saving money literally from day one because of those maintenance costs are so much lower. But when you're looking at more affordable EVs, there actually is like a kind of break even point. So don't automatically think that an electric vehicle is going to be a slam dunk from the first mile that you start driving it. And of course, this doesn't mean too that you should go out tomorrow and buy a new car. Right. But Matt uh, and Joel said electric vehicles are cheaper. (laughs) I'm going to go get one uh, tomorrow. It may not make sense for you. Uh, but you, know, you, you should definitely consider uh, an electric vehicle instead of a gas car next time you're looking to buy. And again, you don't have to get a new one. Buying used can make a lot of sense. You just need to pay uh, particular attention to the battery life before you purchase that used model because a five-year-old electric vehicle might have lost 20% of its, its battery capacity. But as long as that car works for how it is that you're planning to drive, it can still make a ton of sense as a purchase. If you're only planning to just scoot around the city, if you're using that to drop off the kids you know, at soccer, pick them up from school, that kind of thing, well, it doesn't really matter if the range has decreased a good bit. Yeah, not, not as good for cross-country road trips. Though. Right, yeah. Uh, save that for like the uh, Tesla 
long range or something <laughs> like that. Plus, you can use that as a way to negotiate the price down. Uh, that's a way that you can find a bargain. And also, check to see if there's any warranty left on the battery because that can provide some additional peace of mind. Basically, the longer that you're able to hang on to an electric vehicle, the more savings that you're going to realize. Yep, and it won't be long before our roads are inundated with electric cars by 2030. I mean, we'll see if it we'll see if it happens. It'll be <laughs> fascinating to watch. Uh, we'll see if we kind of our our trajectory takes on that of Norway's. Um, but yeah, we, we've got more headlines to get to, including something really basic like the price of a sandwich these days. How much has that gone up? We'll we'll talk about that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back and we're going to keep trucking along here. This is our Friday flight where we are looking at different stories. And Joel, you know, now it is time for our ludicrous headline of the week. <laughs> that was really good. Was it good? Uh, was that like a drunk voice? Trying to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, if you would have done a little burp there at the end, or a little, little hiccup. I should have. <laughs> that was really good considering the story that we have coming up here, which is one third of investors trade while drunk. Uh-oh. Yeah, this one comes from uh, 401k specialist. It's easier than ever to invest your money, right? The uh, the barriers to entry have mostly gone by the wayside. Uh, folks can get started uh, investing with just $1 on, on a lot of the different platforms. That wasn't the case even just 10 years ago. And we say this because we feel that that progress should be celebrated. Hooray. But easy investing Definitely comes with a share of downsides. Um, and I didn't realize that this was one of them until reading this article, which used data from a recent survey by Magnify Money. Apparently, almost one in three investors have made changes to their uh, investments, to their portfolio, after hitting uh, the sauce a little, uh, a little hard in the <laughs> That's evening. That's not good. Uh, it's terrible. Trading while drunk, it's, it's actually probably likely even worse than trading based on just a gut feeling, uh, something that maybe, you know, you woke up, maybe you had a dream and you're like, oh, I got to buy or I got to sell it. Right. Uh, you don't want that to be how you invest. But unfortunately, this is becoming more common. Yeah. Apparently, one third of overall investors admit to having done this. And two thirds of Gen Z investors actually made the confession too. Uh, the survey really did shed some light on the increased emotion that younger investors have towards their investment por- portfolio. They're, you know, they, there's just less of a barrier between them and how they feel about the companies they're invested in. And two thirds of all investors admitted to making decisions via an emotionally charged decision, like kind of on a whim or in an emotional state. Um, it, you know, I'm not an unemotional guy, Matt. I think of myself as in tune with the things that are going on inside. Uh, but yeah, m- many areas uh, of our lives deserve our full emotional engagement. Like when we're hanging out with our spouse, right? We need to be emotionally engaged in that relationship. But other places don't require nearly as much emotion. And it's far better for us, I think, to take emotion out of our investing decisions to the greatest extent that we can. And I think, you know, Matt, one of the things you and I, we've talked about creating a written investment plan and sticking to it is one way mm-hmm. to make sure that your emotions are not interfering with those decisions. And then we would say to take all the investing apps off your phone. Uh, that might sound hardcore. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, I want to check in every now and again. <laughs> but yeah, given the rapid rise in off-kilter investing habits, like trading while you're inebriated, it's crucial to create these helpful barriers so that you don't make a regrettable emotion-induced decision that hurts your investments. You don't want to have be like four beers deep and decide to like you know sell a holding that you have. Or mm-hmm. yeah, you want to make sure you have a well-thought-out strategic plan and you're sticking to it. Yeah, it is not difficult to make a dumb decision after you've had <laughs> like four beers. So that's something just generally speaking, we would recommend uh, maybe you just have one nicer beer like you and I have on the show. <laughs> yeah, Joel. don't make any important decisions after <laughs> drinking four beers. <laughs> and and we're both pretty hardcore about the app thing as well. I, I found it to be so incredibly helpful because we keep some play money uh, like in our Robinhood accounts. And uh, yeah, keeping that off of the phone has been so critical and 
A, not thinking about it, and B, uh, to remove that temptation to, to fiddle with it maybe after just reading a single headline right. or, or maybe even just after having one beer. Who knows? <laughs> Joel, while we're talking about investing, let's talk about investing fees for a second. Fee transparency, this is still a real problem in the investing world. We've been talking about this here on the podcast for years. Uh, and a recent survey from State Street finds that investors who are working with an advisor, a financial advisor or an investment advisor, they don't really know how their advisor is making money. Uh, many investors have no idea what the fee structure is. They, uh, they they seem to think that fund expenses are somehow rolled into what they are paying their advisor, but that is actually not the case. They don't know how they're paying for that advice. Yes, that is never good. And Vanguard this week actually called for greater fund fee transparency across the industry. And they, they stated that funds should have labels similar to food labels that oh, we can skim at the grocery I store. I love this idea. I love it too. <laughs> like, I think it's so smart. Like I totally agree with that. And, and I think like we should make that happen because investors need more easily digestible information. There's just way too much jargon in the industry and confusion is a real problem for lots of investors. And anything we can do to make the costs and benefits uh, or, or lack of benefits for certain funds even clearer, I think is a good thing. People don't need someone else to make their decision for them, but they do need the right tools to help them make an informed one. And so, yeah, if you want to know more about what we think about fees when it comes to your investments, check out episode 91. We're generally against them. Uh, and I, I love this food label idea, Matt. I think, you know, some of these folks at Vanguard, they're onto something. Um, and if that became an industry-wide adoption, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people fighting that for reasons of personal gain. Um, and obviously, Vanguard would love it because their fees are really low and investors would quickly realize the benefits from investing there as opposed to maybe with uh, their what are the funds that their financial advisor wants to put them in. Exactly. That's right. Vanguard, Fidelity, they are the best when it comes to fees. So, Joel, enough about investing for a minute. Let's talk about the uh, super fun and engaging topic of inflation here uh, for a second. One of my favorite. Uh, I, feel, I mean, every week I feel like we have to weave in uh, just a little inflation story, right? But this time, this is going to be for, from a more everyday kind of perspective. Friend of the show, Len Penzo, uh, he just released his kitschy uh, but fun annual, what he calls the brown bag lunch survey. Uh, it's not the, the most scientific survey out there, but <laughs> he uh, gathers together food costs. And, and you know, again, it's cute and it is helpful. But I, I think our big takeaway from reading his article or reading his report or that sandwiches are still pretty cheap for the most part. They're more affordable now uh, than they were in 2011 uh, than in 2014. The overall, you know, he kind of combines them into like the sandwich index, basically. And yeah, so even with all the inflation uh, talk that you've heard, you've heard us talk about it, sandwiches are still more affordable than they were seven years ago. Uh, and so it's important to note that uh, bologna and peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> they are the two cheapest sandwich varieties that you can find. Peanut butter is great. Bologna, it kind of depends, right? How do you feel about bologna? Uh, no, I'm not into it. So I'd rather pay more for a sandwich <laughs> and it not be bologna. It depends. Okay. Okay. Here's why I kind of hedge my bets with bologna is because I will eat spam. Have I ever talked to you about spam in, in, in Korean food? No, well, yeah, it's, it's a it's a regular in Korean food, isn't it? Yeah. So like, okay, in uh, Korean food, especially here in the States, uh, there's this dish called kimbap. It's kind of like the Korean version of a sushi roll where okay. like you got the seaweed and you wrap it up. But especially here in the U.S., oftentimes you use spam as the protein. And so you kind of cut it into these long strips. Uh, you kind of fry it, kind of sear it up on the on the pan so it's nice and crispy. And you lay it in there and then you, you roll it up and it's really good. And so because of that, I kind of have like a soft spot in my heart for spam. A lot of folks will trash talk it, but uh, it, it all depends on how you prepare it. And yeah. when you prepare it right and get it nice and crispy like that, it's, I mean... 
I remember it not being all that different from bacon as a kid. Like bacon and like that crispy spam. I kind of held them both at the same level. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's as good as bacon. Maybe I'll take well, a shot. Well, I mean, it's not as good as bacon. But, but like as a kid, I felt that way. And so because of that, I will, I'll still eat it now. Okay. So. Well, I remember visiting Hawaii and I was shocked to see. Oh. I, I knew they like spam over there. It's everywhere. But they even had a, like a bunch of different spam dishes on the McDonald's menu there. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's <laughs> impressive. Well, yeah. one of the things that Len didn't do in his annual brown bag lunch survey is to compare across different grocery stores, right? He just kind of went to one grocery store, bought stuff, came back and you know put together this method methodology. He's like, I started this dang survey and I got to keep doing it. (laughs) I ain't going to go to a bunch of different stores. (laughs) Right. But obviously that's going to have a major impact on the price too. So yeah, one of the things worth mentioning is that like Aldi would in all likelihood result in the lowest price average per sandwich if we were comparing grocery stores. Aldi for president. (laughs) And another thing that's worth noting is, you know, depending on what's happening in the sales flyer at your grocery store, right? Being willing to swap sandwich types based on the current cost of certain items could be a helpful strategy too. Because like, let's say peanut butter is buy one, get one. Well, then stock up. You're eating peanut butter sandwiches for a while, peanut butter and jelly. And that and jar peanut like, butter will keep for like five years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then if like tuna is cheaper the next week, like grab a few extra cans. But yeah, use <laughs> sales cycles to your advantage. I think that's that's always smart. That's something I I try to do. And I am willing to stock up on something if it's cheap enough. Like if it's if the discount is substantial enough, yeah, I, I totally am. I'm, I'm a stock up kind of guy. Y'all are in the middle of a little renovation at your house. I feel like what you need to plan for is like a Costco closet. So basically (laughs) (laughs) anything that you do, you know, that is on sale or it's buy one, get one. Like you don't want to keep multiple giant bulk things easily accessible in your kitchen. You want to put that somewhere in a closet. That's what you need. All right. I'll talk to our contractor about that. (laughs) I think that'll keep Emily happier too, I'm sure. Lastly, let's talk about uh, saving on the cost of homeowners and on car insurance. The Wall Street Journal, they had an article about that this week. Uh, We've actually got an article up on our site uh, with uh, kind of what we think are the best ways to save on insurance as well. We'll link to that in our show notes. But as insurance rates are rising, there are things that you can and should do about it. We're big fans of shopping around and getting quotes from other companies. Uh, That's going to be how you are likely to save the most money. Uh, And we would recommend that at a site like Policy Genius. But another way you could do that as well is ask an independent agent to shop around for you. And it also wouldn't hurt to call a couple other insurance companies for quotes also. Uh, Joel, I've got a little confession to make. One of the ways I am going to lower the cost of my car insurance, literally today, as soon as we get off work, uh, I'm going to drop the collision coverage that I have on our van. Okay. I added collision maybe a few years ago. We were doing some work to our house, actually, and our emergency fund wasn't as robust as it could have been. And I thought, you know what? Were we to actually get in an accident, I don't have to pay to replace an expensive odyssey like hunt odysseys are expensive and so for us that was one way i was was able to pay a little bit more year to year but mitigate that risk but now that our uh, emergency fund i mean it's it's back to feeling pretty jacked uh i need to drop that collision auto coverage because that is something that we can save money on every single year and of course we wouldn't have a problem replacing uh that vehicle were we to wreck it uh now that's a risk that we would be willing to take. And that's what insurance is all about, right? You're weighing the risks and you're weighing the costs. Yeah. So report back. Let us know how much you're able to save by doing that. I'll because, let you know. Yeah, that's... Um, that's Next a, Friday, I'll share. How okay. That? Yeah, that's good. That, that's a good way to save, you know, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 bucks every year. I'm curious to see how much. And other ways to save. Let's talk about that. Consider choosing a higher deductible too. Having solid savings, Matt, like you said, and self-insuring is key to lowering those premiums. So the more money that you have on hand, the more you can afford to pay a higher deductible if you're in an accident. Also, paying those premiums in a lump sum will often lower the costs. You know, I pay my car insurance six months at a time to avoid additional 
fees for paying it on a monthly basis. And it's also crucial to ask for additional discounts. If you work with an agent, you know, harangue them via email and, <laughs> and try to see what discounts are available that, that you aren't curring, currently having applied to your policy, right? Like I've definitely pestered my agent over the years, Matt, trying to find ways that I could pay less and it works. <laughs> Those discounts really do add up too. Um, the, the best one, I think that the biggest percentage discount is when people take a defensive driving course. Uh, and there's actually most of those you have to go in person, at least from my experience. But I found that AARP has a course on their website and it costs like 25 bucks to do it. And I ended up getting like a three-year discount applied for taking that online course. It took me, I don't even remember, like an hour or so to complete and well worth it because then you're talking about three years worth of savings. Oh, yeah. So yeah, make sure you uh, check with your agent or with your insurance company before you know you spend that time and spend that money. Um, but if 25 bucks can save you 500, like it's definitely worth it. Exactly. So that's going to be it for this Friday flight. We hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. We've got a good listener questions, ask how to money episode lined up for you. And so Joel, until next time, best friends out, best friends out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.